thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. You won't know this, but over the next week or so, I'm going to be receiving four reflections from people who are close to me about how they've seen my spiritual growth over the last nine months or so. Uh, I've invited these people to offer me some feedback about how they've seen me growing to be more like Jesus and where my discipleship has been found wanting in their eyes. Uh, I expect that some of what I read will be an encouragement. I hope it will. But I'm also a little bit nervous because I think some of what I read will probably be confronting as I think about my walk and my faith. Those pieces of reflection are designed to help me take stock of my growth in Christ-likeness, and I'm sure that some of them are going to issue a challenge for me as they hold up blind spots so that I can grow deeper and deeper in my faith. Uh, The letter that we're opening this morning, which is probably more of a postcard than a letter, to be honest, it's very short, is a bit like that. It's got a similar tone to that. It's a call for the recipient, a man named Philemon, to keep on growing to be more like Jesus. Uh, Philemon is a wonderful man. He's a gospel worker. He's someone who has a church meeting in his home, but he's not a finished work yet. This letter that he receives is deeply personal, and it calls Philemon to live out his faith. He's being called to forgive in a way that is costly and sacrificial, that goes against the grain of the culture around him. It's a complicated and complex situation that he finds himself in. We're going to encounter the return of a runaway slave who left as a pagan and returns as a Christian. How is Philemon to reconcile with him? How is he to meet him and forgive him? This little postcard is a call for Philemon to continue to find his home in a new humanity shaped by the Lord Jesus and to live out a radical and costly faith in him. As we meet Philemon this morning, we're going to spend some time getting to know him in verses 1 to 3 before we then look at two prayers that Paul offers for Philemon in verses 4 to 7. We know where we're going, why don't we pray? Lord, we ask that this short letter would help us this morning to see where we might be more like the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you speak to us by your word and that your spirit is active through it. We ask this morning that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we might be shaped to be people who live with an effective faith, that we would be a church that is going deeper and deeper into you. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, if you've got the letter open in front of you and you look at verse 1, you'll see that it's very clear who the letter is written to and from. It's written by Paul to Philemon, and Paul is accompanied by Timothy at this time in his ministry. And now we're fortunate to know a bit about Philemon. We know that he lives in Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey, uh, and this letter has been brought to him at the same time as the letter to the Colossians that Paul had written for that church. And we see in Colossians that it's been brought by two men who are known to Paul and who are known to this church. Their names are Tychicus and Onesimus. Now, if you've read through this letter already, you'll know that Onesimus is the runaway slave. 
This man that brings the letter back is going to be a major focus of the second half of this letter. He was at one time a slave owned by Philemon, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and dig into that. that this week, that's for next week. Uh, we've got lots of letters from Paul, and if you have a look at this introduction, you'll see that it's not his normal style. He normally describes himself as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He normally speaks into the life of the church from a position of authority. He's being clear that he's someone who's been chosen and empowered by Jesus to speak authoritatively into the life of the church and the Christian people who receive his letters. If you think about the strong rebukes that Paul writes to churches like the Corinthians or the Galatians, in those letters he really reinforces his status as an apostle, as one with authority. But here he does the opposite. Look at how he describes himself. He describes himself as a prisoner. He's setting up an appeal to Philemon, which we're going to explore in the coming weeks, not from a place of authority and strength, but from a place of weakness. He's a prisoner who is suffering for Jesus. He is holding fast to the gospel, and that has cost him dearly. He's most likely under house arrest in Rome, writing sometime between 60 and 62 AD. And if you want to know what his imprisonment looks like, then jot down now. You can look at Acts chapter 28, verses 11 to 31. There he tells us about his imprisonment in Rome. We know that he's able to preach and teach as he awaits trial, but his freedoms are limited. He is in chains. He starts with this introduction, because holding fast to Jesus has cost Paul dearly. And it's that reality that he's going to come back to as he appeals to Philemon. Well, as Paul writes, he passes on his best wishes expressed as words we use, grace and peace to you from God, words that start our liturgy, here they are again, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives those greetings we see in verse 3 to Arthia and Archippus, who we think are probably Philemon's wife and son, and also to the church that meets in their home. They're people who are known to him. In just these few lines, Paul's given us a wonderful sketch of who Philemon is. He's his dear friend, verse 1. He's a fellow worker. He's sharing a ministry of some description, making the good news of Jesus known. He's probably relatively wealthy. He can support a church meeting in his home, which means that his home is large enough to host around 30 people or so. And we see as well that he's accommodating other believers in his home. Philemon is a slave-owning head of a family. He's a pastoral leader in the church. He offers hospitality to the Church of Christ. And Paul now offers two prayers for Philemon where we get an even greater sense of who he is. He's someone who has accepted a new vision of humanity in Christ. And Paul wants him to go into that new vision even deeper. Look at verse 4. Paul uses a pretty standard way of praising Philemon that you'll find in a lot of his letters. He talks about how he prays for him. He says, these are the things I've been giving thanks to God for when I remember you in prayer. He gives thanks for two things, for his love and his faith towards Jesus, and for his love and faith towards God's people. Those two words, love and faith, they form a bit of a pattern which Paul now plays on for the rest of the letter. They recur, and that's important for us to take note of. Philemon is living out real, deep, committed fellowship. 
Paul emphasizes the nature of this church community where they're actively living out a radical new humanity. Their old relationships, relationships which are defined by the Roman Empire, are hierarchical, status-based, and that still exists around this situation. There are differences in status between men and women, who can speak, who has a place, who is a valid citizen and who isn't. There's a status difference between Roman citizens and the rest of the empire. There's a status difference between slaves and masters and young and old. But those relationships are being superseded by new relationships in this church where people have been drawn into fellowship in Christ. They've been drawn into fellowship with the Holy Spirit. They share in one church. They've got one gospel. And they've been welcomed together into Christ's sufferings, which are very real in their community. This radical new community under Philemon's care is totally different to the world around it. This is a new community, a new humanity where people look at each other differently because they're being shaped by Jesus. It's an active association, a mutual participation, an identification with one another in a way that the Roman world could never imagine. And Paul praises Philemon's love and faith for Jesus, which has seen his loyalty and love towards this church community grow. Paul is thankful for the work of sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of his dear friend. But he doesn't want Philemon's love and faith to stop growing there. In verse 6, he prays that the partnership they share in the gospel will spur him on to an even greater, even costlier, and more sacrificial way of living for Jesus. He wants to see Philemon's dedication to Jesus, his understanding of what it means to be a recipient of grace, to be effective in deepening his lived-out faith. It's in verse 6. He wants it to be effective. He wants Philemon to grasp the whole person, the whole life change that being a follower of Jesus brings, to be going deeper and deeper into the good things, we are told, which come from being a follower of Jesus. Paul describes faith in Jesus as a dynamic relationship with the Lord, which constantly feeds his understanding and the understanding of the gospel workers in partnership with him making them aware of how much they were benefiting from being in Christ. And that's important, because we have to remember this is a small, unusual minority. They're a bunch of weirdos in their culture. And so they must dwell on the good things which come from being a follower of Jesus. There are lots of good things that come from being a follower of Christ, aren't there, that we've experienced and know ourselves. We've been adopted into a brand new family in Jesus. We've been given a new life with a new purpose during our time here on earth. We are reassured that God's wrath has been turned away and placed on Jesus in our stead. We have been given his righteousness, knowing that when God looks at us, he sees the son with whom he is well pleased. And we've been given the hope of a wonderful future home with Jesus in eternity where we will delight in his presence day and night for all time. That's all wonderful stuff to look forward to, isn't it? But we've been given good things in Christ even now. We receive life in all its fullness. 
We are given lives of reconciliation, where we can extend the forgiveness that we have found in Christ to others who have harmed and wronged us. We can live lives of adoption, where we are part of this amazing, new, probably slightly nutty sometimes, and a bit prickly family called the church. We can live lives of joy, can't we? Where even though we face trials and struggles, we know that God uses suffering to deepen our faith and reliance on him, to show his strength and how he is with us. We're given lives of purpose, where we're given a mission by the Lord Jesus to share in his work of making his kingdom known until he returns again. We receive all of that, all of those good things that we can give thanks for. When people believe in Christ, even more than that, they become identified with one new family. They become identified with one another in an intimate association. We are made into a new humanity. And in that new humanity, we are given both benefits and responsibilities of being one body, 1 Corinthians tells us. One body connected tendon and ligament in Christ. There are responsibilities which Paul praises Philemon for carrying out. Look at verse 7. The same love that Paul mentioned in verse 5, that he's had reported to him by other people who know this church and know this man. It has refreshed the hearts of God's people. What a wonderful encouragement for us as we think about our own ministries as a deeply connected church community. We know that many ministries can appear to be successful but only have a limited impact for a time because they're only superficial ministries. They're not deeply connected. But Philemon's influence was the opposite. I think we can imagine quite easily that as a church leader, he was called to evangelize, to pastor, to teach. He was asked to distribute food and charity and provide in a range of ways that were typical of a Roman household. And he's done so in a way that honors Jesus and refreshes the hearts of God's people. His love for God's church at Colossae has characterized everything Philemon does. And it's on that basis of his loving service, that Paul will launch into the next section which we're going to cover off next week. Even though this is a deeply personal letter written to Philemon in a specific time about a specific situation, the return of Onesimus, there is still plenty of us for us to apply today. Paul has a clear expectation that Philemon's faith will deepen relationally. He's praised for opening his home to the faithful and the way he's served them out of loyalty to Jesus. But Paul wants them to grow closer and closer together that their faith might be effective. Paul gives thanks for Philemon's love for God's people, which has already been costly to him. And we see that Philemon isn't a man who's peripheral in church life. This isn't a man who is busy doing church things. This is a godly brother who is sharing his life with other Christians. He knows them, and they know him deeply. Christians are called to deep relationship. And yet it's never been easier to attend a church community and to be disconnected from it, is it? We can be surfing on our phones before the service to avoid conversation with other people, those awkward folks that come over and say hello before the start of a service. Or we can quickly rush for the door and shoot off from here in our car afterwards. We can create rhythms which prevent us from being known by others. 
Now add to that the complexities of the last two years where we've instigated online services and we've opened a whole nother can of worms, haven't we? But those online services are also a wonderful way to minister to brothers and sisters who aren't able to join us. Maybe they're ill or they're separated, they're immunocompromised. There are blessings, they've moved into care and they can't physically get here anymore. But even that shows us that it's so easy to remain at, length, at arm's length in our high-paced, deeply individual world that we live in. So church, where are we connecting in deep fellowship, not just with a few people that we've known for years and years, but with a wide cross-section of our church, with the newcomers who have arrived? Now I understand that sometimes for a season we are going to need to pull back from some of our church relationships because of other priorities. Maybe we've got a loved one who's ill, someone who's depending on us. There will be times where we can't stick around and have fellowship with others. But we still need to connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ in other ways. Maybe we've got social anxiety or other mental health struggles that mean that even getting here on a Sunday morning is an overwhelming experience for us. I'm not saying that all of us must live in each other's pockets or all stay for a cup of tea when we're just not able to. We don't have to be best friends with every other church member. But we do need to be asking the question, where are we connected? Where are we deeply connected? And where are the people who are new here and joining us deeply connected? Uh, every month there's a historical society which meets at the church hall. They're a lovely group of people. They love a mutual passion that they have. They love history. That's the thing that brings them together. But the church is meant to be different. We're not a close association of people who hold a religion or an interest in common. We are together in Christ. We have been adopted into his family and joined together by believing in his death and resurrection. We're in the same Holy Spirit dwelling in us who's forged us into a new humanity. In Christ, we are a body. And not just any old body, but the body of Jesus. The church in Jesus is to be a community of deep connection and accountability. Paul says to Philemon, you are a faithful gospel worker. You have been loyal to Jesus. You love his people, and now I want to see the effect of that on all of your life. Paul knows Philemon's situation. Even by distance, he's connected to him. But he's also issuing a call to accountability. He can speak the truth in love, wanting Philemon's best to grow into Christ. Paul's not pushing his own agenda. He's not posturing for his preferences or likes. The call he issues for deeper Christ-likeness is about Philemon's growth in Jesus. It is a church that is being held accountable by one another. And a church like that, Christians like that, will impact the world around them. Their home lives will look different as they share life with the washing pile on the couch and the dishes in the sink, warts and all, with each other. Relationships will grow as loving brothers and sisters in Christ speak words of loving challenge into each other's life. Where we ask a brother or sister how it is they're treating their children, why they're using their money that way, why they're setting certain priorities, how they're using their time. 
and how they're committing to the life of the church. Those are deeply uncomfortable questions that can only come from a place of knowing one another closely. Our loyalty to Christ and his body, the church, will grow even richer and deeper as we have brothers and sisters who see a partnership in the faith that is effective and keeps us accountable. Church, don't we want a faith like that? Faith that is more than turning up here to sing songs and say words and receive teaching in the sacraments. Don't we want a faith that is deeply connected to our Lord Jesus and to each other? Don't we want a faith that is effective and sees us changed by the Holy Spirit and sees us making God's kingdom known in the world around us as we live out Jesus' way more and more as a new humanity of his people set by his agenda and his status, and his priorities. I long for us to be a church like that. Why don't we pray and ask God to help us be that church? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this book. Thank you for Paul's encouragement and challenge to Philemon to live out his faith in a world that is topsy-turvy, in a world that is turning its back on you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to do the same that our love and faith in you would make us effective as we deepen our knowledge of the good things you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would give us courage today to step even more into each other's lives and to hold one another accountable, that we might spur one another on to see your word, to see our faith more effective in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening.